You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, boys and girls, we are just a couple days away from the draft. I mean, I, I it's one of those things that you keep re-remembering, you know, like once an hour. It's like, oh, ooh, the draft. <laughs> it's just... It doesn't feel real, and then there's like a moment where it feels real, and then it dissipates, and I can't, I can't feel it anymore. Like, no, come back. The feeling, come back. With that said, I think we got to kind of ramp it up with one final push, looking at the prospects and, and kind of looking at some of the questions. Is there a liquid in this? Oh, no, it's empty. <laughs> I got so excited. There's an energy drink here, and I really, it felt like there was liquid in it, but there's not. It's fine. I got coffee. Coffee's fine. It's fine can be a normal human being and drink coffee in the morning. But that's what I want to do. And I, and I, you know, part of the issue is I hate being repetitive. And sometimes during the season, I feel like we're just doing the same thing over and over and over again, and it's getting boring. And so I don't want to ignore the big questions, but I also want to try to dig beyond the big questions. And one way that I thought we could do that, and obviously my thought is we're going to do this until forever, but for all I know, tomorrow I'm going to change my mind. So let's just say for today. I want to kind of look at prospect prototypes. In other words, I don't want to just focus on early round and I don't want to just ignore early round. I want to ask different questions. Things like fastest wide receiver, best pass blocking tight ends, function essentially, so that we can say, you know, I want this type of guy, right? It's important that we add a really good receiving tight end. I think we need another Aaron Jones type of running back for when Aaron Jones leaves. I want a you know, really good coverage safety, really understanding because, and, and safety, I think is perfect, especially when we look at the guys at the top, you know, Kyle Hamilton is kind of like the big guy. But after that, when you have Petrie scene and, and Daxton Hill, for example, it's so perfect because you, you love all three of them and it's so hard to rank them. And it's, it's a perfect reason or a perf, it's perfect illustration, I guess, of why ranking is kind of silly in a way, because depending on what you're looking for, one of these guys is going to end up being way better than the rest, right? I, I kind of talked about it yesterday with, you know, Scene being like Amos and Petrie being more of a coverage guy and Daxton maybe is a little bit more of a blend. I mean, they can all do all the things, but it's really just a matter of, and I'm tipping my hand a little bit, but the, the ultimate goal, if, if there's one thing that I want to work toward, would be something to where your big board is dependent on your input. In other words, this is what we're after. You know, it's not just how good is a safety. Even when I did my big board, it's really based on your stats and your grades. And then the, the biggest thing is you have to weight each thing, which one is most and least important. And it's not only somewhat arbitrary, but it really depends on the team, right? So there's, there's a general arbitrary number, and it's not really arbitrary. You can base it on historically what attributes uh, translate to being a good football player, and you kind of extrapolate that out, et cetera, et cetera. But really on a fundamental basis, if you look at it, if you want an edge rusher, for example, I think a great example of this would be somebody like my Jay Sanders. The most important thing for an edge rusher is to get after the quarterback. And I don't know if there's anybody that has at least better statistics from a statistical standpoint, somebody who's much better than my Jay Sanders. But the Packers also like really big guys that can set an edge. And depending how much that means to you, my Jay is either a wonderful addition or kind of not great. So anyways, um, I want to approach it from that standpoint. And, and again, the good thing about it is we're not ignoring early round prospects. If they happen to make the list, then they make the list. If they don't, then they don't. So we're not just doing deep dives on six round prospects because four people in the world care about that. And I'm not one of them, <laughs> at least not today. On day three, I'm going to really care. Today, it's like, dude, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. So anywho, uh, before we get there, though, I want to start off with a question that just popped up on the Facebooks. I just saw it, so it's fresh in my mind, and I want to address it. Rich in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group says, I'm going to get torched for this one, so be it. Ryan, why are you and everyone else ignoring the fact that David Bakhtiari is 31 years old, 10-year veteran who hasn't played in over a year, left uh, in over a year, I guess that's the end of the question. Left tackle is possibly the most important player on the team after quarterback. So here's my real question. Is there a left tackle in this draft that we should be looking at 
for the first round. Um, the way that you ask the question, no. And the reason I say that is because you put an emphasis on left tackle, meaning we're specifically and only finding a replacement for David Bakhtiari, meaning either we kick him off the team and put this guy in place or our first round pick sits on the bench and waits for David Bakhtiari to leave, which is probably going to be end, end up being an Aaron Rodgers situation. How could you be so stupid to draft this guy? He's sitting on the bench. He's not getting any playing time, blah, 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 blah. Because David Bakhtiari is going to end up getting healthy and he's going to play another year, two, three years, and then the pick is going to look really stupid. However, in part, I agree, and I think I've partially addressed this, but this isn't the main crux of the point. One of the main factors I've talked about is why I really want to draft tackle. I've said it numerous times, and most people that disagree with me, disagree because they say we have David Bakhtiari and we have Elton Jenkins, so we're good, we don't need a tackle. I disagree on multiple fronts. Number one, Elton Jenkins is a really, 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 really good interior guy. If you draft a right tackle, we have David Bakhtiari, we have Elton Jenkins, we have a a promising, you know, up-and-coming center, maybe, I don't know. We have a, a hole to fill at right guard, and we have a new right tackle. Bing, bang, boom, beautiful offensive line, assuming, you know, you have growth at center assuming you have guys coming back healthy and assuming your rookie plays well, which probably can't assume all those things. But if you hit on three of the four, we're good. But then there is a phase two to that. You also have a contingency plan if things don't pan out. If David Bakhtiari, you know, doesn't come back, doesn't come back healthy, maybe doesn't play in 2023, you now have this guy that you drafted. Either you can swing him to left tackle, put Elton Jenkins at right tackle or vice versa. Either way, we still have two tackles on the team. So it's, it's kind of a fail-safe. If David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins play and play great and do it for a long time, doesn't hurt us at all. In fact, it's a wonderful thing. We have three tackles, and at least one of them is a Pro Bowl guard. And I say at least one because there's a good chance that any tackle we take, there's you know a, high prob- a lot of the guys that we talk about, guys like Akema Kwan, he's going to be a great tackle, but if not, he's going to be an elite guard. <laughs> That's kind of the way a lot of these guys are looked at. So I'm all for tackle, but I'm not specifically looking to replace David Bakhtiari in the draft. I mean, on one level I am, but in no different way than I'm looking to replace everybody. I, I, we need to replace Aaron Rodgers. We need to have replace Devontae Adams. We need to replace Aaron Jones. We need to replace Adrian Amos. We need to maybe consider, well, maybe not that. That's a little bit much. Um, all the tight ends. Kenny Clark. I mean, at the very least, if, if, it, if we draft somebody and it takes them two years to get back up to speed, I mean, by the time, you know, if year three is the year, I don't know how much time Kenny has. We got to replace Preston for sure. I know he just signed a contract, but again, you sign a guy year two, year three, he finally starts to take a step. The point is you can't wait until these guys are gone. You might need a one to two to three year buffer, and that's half your team. So yeah, you're always looking to replace guys, especially when guys hit 30 and they start getting injured or whatever but I'm not specifically looking to take him out right now. That doesn't really make, it's just unnecessary. So I'll, I'll halfway agree with you, but only insofar as I've already addressed it and I've already said that that's what we should do. I'm, I'm all for taking a tackle. I would love that. I mean, as I've said numerous times, offensive line is our biggest priority. So, um, and yeah, I, again, just to reiterate, it would also cover you on the off chance because I was reading through some of the comments and he said, you know, nobody has specifically addressed David Bakhtiari himself being finished. That's true. I haven't really touched on that because I don't necessarily see it as necessary, although I have said he, it does make me nervous. And again, I'm all for it on the off chance. I think he'll be, I don't, I, okay is kind of a relative thing. You know, what is what does that mean? I don't know. I'm just going to use it because it gives me a lot of leeway. I think he'll be okay. In other words, I think he'll play, and I think he'll be good. What, what, is he going to be the top three offensive tackle he has been for the last several years? I don't know. But again, for, the, for, for a million different reasons, offensive tackle is, is one of the top needs of this team. The, the, the one other thing I've said, though, is that I don't think there's a lot of great options. I really don't. I mean, there's a, there's a million wide receivers. There's a ton of safeties and edge rushers. But offensive tackle, I mean, you're going to have the top three long gone. Pending is the one guy we maybe have a shot at. But we're probably going to have to trade up for him. And I'm sure a lot of people are not going to like that very much. Um, otherwise, I don't know that there's a real super great amount of options. Fortunately, though, we're going to talk about some of those guys. And again, kind of break it down in terms of what it is they do. So I do know that that's a lingering concern. And it's a, it's a legitimate one. And to be honest, I think it's, it's not just David Bakhtiari. You know, JJ's been kind of ramping up on his um, 
talk about Jair. And that's another thing I haven't really been hammering because I just don't want to. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter is you can apply this stuff to just about anybody. Jair Alexander has played three years. One of those years was an elite year. We don't know that he's the number one corner in football just because he had one good year. We, I've talked about a million different prospects where teams are so stupid for paying these guys massive amounts of money because of one good year. The, the Chicago Bears safety. How many times have I ragged on them for that? How stupid they are. The guy was a mediocre safety. I mean, he was decent. He had one good year that was capped off by a million different interceptions. They paid him way too much money, and he regressed. He went right back to what he always was. Jair Alexander's two years outside of his one year at the 90, in the 90s was like 71. Granted, one of the years he was injured the whole year, so it was a small sample size. But you've got 70, 70, and 90. So we don't know a 1,000% that Jair is going to get back to being one of the best corners in football. We don't know David Bakhtiari is ever going to get back to form. We don't know what Elton Jenkins is going to come back like. We don't know what Josh Myers is ever going to become, despite all the hype about Josh Myers. We certainly don't know if Preston is going to have anywhere near the kind of year he had last year, considering he's never had that good of a year, considering that was a contract year. And there's also this weird thing where he fluctuates back and forth between good year, bad year, good year, bad year, good year, bad year, meaning this is presumably going to be a bad year. We don't know about Devondre Campbell. He had one big blow-up year. We don't know about Razul Douglas. He had one big blow-up year. We have no idea what Eric Stokes is going to become. Is he going to get better? Is he going to get worse? Is he going to stay about what he was last year, which was, you know, for a, for a rookie, it was great, but who's to say he's going to get any better? I don't know. We don't know about Savage. He had one, well, one promising half of a year, and last year was a massive disappointment, but the, the hope is that it's year two of this system he takes a step. I think we can say, again, you can say that about just about anybody. And you can do it in the positive sense, too. Anybody can break out. Josh Myers could be the best center in football this year. Elton Jenkins could be the number one guard in football this year. David Bakhtiari could come back and be the number one tackle in football. We don't know positive or negative. And I, and I, it's like I talked about before with the 100% thing. Too many times people are 100% certain of way too many things. Bears fans know for a fact that Justin Fields is going to be a great quarterback. No, you don't. A lot of Packer fans are positive he's never going to be any good. You don't know that either. He might be a dominant quarterback this year. We don't know anything. That's part of what makes football fun. And again, there's nothing wrong with rooting for your team and rooting for your players or whatever. But if we're going to have an honest intellectual discussion about this stuff, you know, it's a new year, man. And it really just takes a couple things. You know, it's, it's kind of like heads or tails for each prospect. And you get a couple of these things falling tails instead of heads, negative instead of positive. You know, you, you get a bunch of these negative things and then, you know, one or two injuries you know, who's to say the Packers couldn't be a six-win team? But you get them going in the positive, flip it heads instead of tails on a bunch of these things. Um, if health remains, instead of losing our entire offensive line two years in a row, if they can stay healthy and improve through the draft, if we get a hit on, on a couple receivers, and, you know, whether that's a tight end and a receiver or whatever, but we can improve that unit, run the ball better, Aaron Rodgers doesn't regress, that's a big one. The guy won MVP two years in a row. There's... I mean, it's not impossibly does it three years in a row, but it's not very likely. But again, things break in the positive. There's no reason we can't win a Super Bowl, aside from the negativity of Packer fans saying, yeah, 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 we've been there before. We know how this goes. You go to the playoffs, and then you lose in the playoffs because you suck. <sighs> okay, whatever. So, um, yes, there, there's plenty of reason for concern, and, and I don't dwell on it probably as much as some people think I should or maybe cast as much light on it, but I, you know, I don't want to dwell on things that we don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll make the point. We don't know Jair is going to be elite. We don't know David Bakhtiari is going to be okay. But I'm not going to dwell on it as though I know he won't. It's just purely speculation. I don't know. It's just a guess. Maybe an informed guess in either direction, but I don't know. Not a doctor. And even if I was, I don't know if that would help very much because people are just different. Some people bounce back from these things and it's like, how the heck did that happen? Other people, for some reason, they can't shake it. And I think that's what scares people about Bakhtiari. But again, real quick, before we move off of it, I think the issue with David Bakhtiari, and this is what made me so upset, I don't know if there was an article or something writ, written somewhere talking about it, the problem is they kept trying to push him back, and what he really needed was rest. And they kept pushing it and pushing it, and every time they did, his knee would flare up, it would get filled with fluid, and it would just ruin the whole process. They kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, and ultimately the reason he didn't play in the playoffs is because he did come back and play against the Lions. It destroyed his knee, and then he couldn't play in the playoffs. We just kept pushing it. And maybe, you know, he kept pushing it, trying to get back. The team kept pushing it, trying to get him back. But his knee just was not reacting very well to that. So um, that would be the, the positive side in terms of 
realizing the mistake and not making that mistake in the offseason and actually allowing it to heal properly. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But again, for, for, for however many of the time, I'm, I am and always have been all in on taking a tackle if there's a good one available. 1,000%. And I'll tell you what, since it, it, although it makes absolutely no sense, why don't we start there anyways? Let's, let's look at offensive line. Let's do that. I've got my personal big board, which again, regardless of what you think about my board and my process and all that, the good thing about it is it really lays out in detail all the specifics, the kind of stuff that we're looking at. So really what, what the question is when we're looking at offensive line is what is sort of disqualifying for the Green Bay Packers, right? We know they have to be to some degree athletic right? That, that's an absolute must. For every single tackle, you have to be a good pass blocker. But I think in this system, at the very least, my desire is quality run blocking, right? I'm sure the Packers want that as well and need that. I just, you know, let's just say at the very least for the people we're going to be looking at, that's a must. That sounds kind of obvious, but I really don't know that it is for everybody. I think for, if you were to go back to the Mike McCarthy days, you get me the absolute best pass blocking tackle in the world, and if he can't run block to save his life, we'll we'll fig- we'll manage. As long as my quarterback can stand in the pocket for ten minutes, I could not care any less if this guy. I mean, if we have to pull him on on running plays, I couldn't care less, <laughs> right? <laughs> we'll put in a tight end. I don't care. And then on top of that, I think there's also the element of um, zone blocking, right? So if we if we find the perfect prospect and they're primarily you know gap blocking kind of a question mark. Not that I'm opposed to a guy that's just going to grab somebody in front of him and slam him into the dirt, but you, you got to know how to do what it is we're going to be doing. And the Packers run that about 60% of the time, I think. Last time I thought that's what it was. Maybe it's more. Let me double check. Yeah, so around 60-ish. Interestingly enough, David Bakhtiari, um, probably because of his limited sample size, was at 85%. But if you look at Billy Turner, um, 65%. Elton Jenkins, 64%. Yash Nyman, 64%. Dennis Kelly, 60%. So yeah, 60% of the time, they're zone blocking. 25 to 30% of the time, they're gap blocking. What are they doing the other times? I don't know, man. I know it doesn't equal 100. I'm just, I'm just telling you the numbers, all right? So that is the situation. If we look at um, my big board, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sort by pass blocking, and I'm going to look at, because we've got uh, 13, nope, I'm sorry, that's uh, the Excel thing, 12 offensive tackles that I have a 9 out of 10 overall grade or higher, right? Uh, Matt Willetsko, I guess, technically is a, he's right there, 8, 9, 7 out of North Dakota. Actually, you know what? I am going to keep him on here. I was going to say we don't really need to because whatever, but he's got a 9.59 overall run blocking grade, and his RAS was a 9.95. So he gets added to the list. So if we make a list here, and the goal is going to be to whittle this down to find the absolute best prospects. We've got the pass blocking, we've got the run blocking, we've got the athleticism. We'll cross-check a couple other things in a minute here, but we're just going to start with my sheet. Um, Andrew Stubner out of Michigan doesn't quite have the run blocking ability, a 7 out of 10. He's also got a 5 overall RAS, so that's not going to work. Charles Cross is probably going to be gone, but he does have a 939 pass blocking, a 990 run blocking. 757 RAS is not great, but again, he's probably gone anyways, so I don't really care. Um, Obina Eze out of TCU has a 6.1 run blocking grade. That isn't going to work. Our buddy Luke Gadecki out of Central Michigan has a 9.99 run blocking grade. I don't know what his RAS is. I'll double check to see if that's been upgraded, but we will throw him in our sheet because he meets the mark. Unfortunately, this is going to be a lot of small schools, which stinks, but it is what it is. Again, tackles, I've got a lot of questions with. Um, Devin Cochran, unfortunately, has a 2.6 run blocking grade. He's horrific at that. So although he checks the boxes with pass blocking and RAS, that's where that ends. Kellen Deach out of Arizona State has a 971. So we're going up in pass blocking grade, by the way. Everybody has higher and higher grades. Run blocking 989, so that's solid, and a 975 RAS. So he absolutely makes the uh, checks the boxes. Trevor Penning, um, by a mile here. Trevor Penning is just domination station. Um, Penning has a 981 pass blocking grade and a perfect 10 overall run blocking grade. His actual PFF grade is a 99.9, which is stupid. (laughs) I've told you numerous times, you really just don't see 99s at all. And in fact, I'm looking on this entire sheet to see if there's a 99 anywhere else on here. 
I don't think that there is. He has a 99.9 pass blocking grade. Again, smaller school, but if you're if you're saying you're at a smaller school, you should dominate, you can't dominate. You physically cannot dominate any more than Trevor Penning did as a run blocker, at least as far as PFF grade, which is all I'm using right now. Again, we'll refine a little bit further. 996 RAS. So athleticism, and that's has nothing to do with the school you go to. That is just across the board. 996. So about as athletic as you can get. So um Elite pass blocker, elite run blocker, elite athleticism. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to go ahead and copy and paste this guy. Next up on our list, we got Braxton Jones out of Southern Utah. Um, next best pass blocker, that would be 984 pass blocking grade, 998 run blocking grade, and an 843 RAS, which we're going to call good enough. After that, we have Abraham Lucas out of Washington State. Uh, he has a 987 pass blocking and an 8.08 run blocking grade. I'm going to, I don't know. I I think we've got so many top end guys. I'm just going to say no. Plus I'm kind of just out on Abraham Lucas. I don't know why. It's the whole Washington state thing. I just can't. So I'm going to say no. I mean, to to be fair, just so we're clear, because it's like you have an 8.08 run blocking. That seems high. It's really not. It's a 68 overall PFF grade. Um, The fact of the matter is just most of these guys have really good run blocking grades. These tackles. Um, 27 out of 45 are in the nines. So if you're not in the nines, it's, it's just not very good. So although he seems fine, he actually ranks 32nd out of 45. So we're going to say no to Mr. Abraham Lucas. Then we get, um, third highest pass blocking grade, Bernard Raymond out of central Michigan. He has a nine, eight, seven pass blocking grade. He has a 9.99 run blocking grade and he has a nine, eight, seven RAS. Obviously he also makes the, the list. Then we get to one of the guys that I have really high on my board. As far as my board is concerned, he's extremely underrated, and that is Darian Kennard out of Kentucky. He has a 992 pass blocking grade, a 997 run blocking grade. The issue, though, is his 524 RAS. And for our personal experiment, that's not going to be good enough. We're going to say he doesn't have the athleticism, and that's also the case for the number one pass blocker on my entire board here, Cordell Volson out of North Dakota State. I don't know what they're doing over there at NDSU, but there you go. Um, uh, 9.94 pass blocking, 9.92 run blocking, but a 4.74 RAS. So with that, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six guys that we've identified. And unfortunately, their schools are North Dakota, Central Michigan, Arizona State, Northern Iowa, Southern Utah, and again, Central Michigan. All small school guys. Now, the next thing we have to do is find out what kind of players they were. Were they primarily zone, or was this primarily a gap-running offense? If we go to Central Michigan, who has two of our guys here, Gadecki, 53% zone, Bernard Raymond, 49%. I don't exactly know where the cutoff is. However, I will say this. They also give grades. Um, both of these guys grade higher as zone blockers than as gap blockers. Uh, Bernard Raymond, 92.6 zone blocking grade. Luke Gadecki, 91.2. And really, that's the most important thing. It's not so much how much did you do it, although that matters. It's how good were you, were, were you when you did it. So they passed the test. Uh, Matt Walletsko out of North Dakota. Also higher zone blocker than gap blocker, so we're good with him. Kellen Deach, very, very good. So, so this is kind of what I'm more or less looking for. Kellen is a good run blocker. 84.3, but as a gap blocking tackle, 67 overall grade, zone blocking, 90.2. He was built for this. Now, he only did 52% of his snaps here, but the point is, if you take the 50% of something awesome and turn that into 60 to 70%, he gets awesomer. So this is a situation where he's actually going to be a better tackle in a place like Green Bay than he was at Arizona State. So that's glorious. And then you got Trevor Penning. I mean, good Lord. <laughs> So the guy's got a 99.9 run blocking grade, 93.8 gap blocking, 99.9 zone blocking. So yeah, I think he's good. And again, 55% of his snaps, uh, which is pretty close. I mean, that's primarily what they do, which is great because he's more used to that. And he's also much better at that. And he's also elite at that. But also, again, he's actually going to be doing more of it in Green Bay than he was at Northern Iowa. And Braxton Jones, more of the same, uh, 93 run blocking grade, but a 72 run blocking grade while gap blocking 94.5 zone blocking. So none of these guys are red flags in terms of the style that they, that they run. 
I think that's probably most of the time you're going to see that. By the way, 60% Braxton Jones at Southern Utah. So that's actually, in terms of system, probably the closest we've seen, which is primarily running that sort of zone blocking. So check that box. So before we continue moving on, just, just to give you an idea of where these guys are ranked, Trevor Penning is sitting at 20 overall. So according to the consensus, he is drifting down a little bit. He is getting closer to our range. Bernard Raymond sitting at 42 overall. Again, age is somewhat of a concern for him, but that's we're not bringing that into this particular discussion. Uh, Kellen Deitch is sitting at 134. Braxton Jones is sitting at 150. So th- these are the kinds of guys, too, where you know we're not exactly talking about seventh-round prospects. These are potentially fourth-round guys, which is, I mean, the Packers very commonly taking fourth-round offensive linemen. We've got two picks there. We've also got a fifth-round pick. So we got three kind of in that range from 132 to 171. And these are guys that we just don't really talk about. I haven't really heard their names very often. Kellen Deitch a little bit. Braxton Jones, I don't think I've said his name once. I don't think I've heard his name once. Uh, Luke Kodecki, also kind of in that range, a little bit higher out of, again, Central Michigan, 110 overall. So, I mean, he's a potential third-round prospect. I mean, to be fair, knowing the Packers, he could be a second-round prospect, but we're sitting at uh, pick 92 in the third round. So anywhere from third round to fourth round, that's a potential target. And then Matt Waletsko, uh, offensive tackle out of North Dakota, not North Dakota State, that's just, just North Dakota. He's sitting at 172. We pick at 171. That's fifth round. So, I mean, again, we're talking mid-round prospects here. I'm not just grabbing random garbage players that happen to have high PFF grades that are undrafted free agents. These are mid-round guys. These are mid-round guys that check a lot of the boxes. And again, I don't know Luke Gadecki. Let me check that real quick. Yeah, I don't have uh, anything on Luke Gadecki as far as his athleticism, so I don't know if he belongs on this list necessarily. I do have one way to find out, though. Yeah, he's he's being described as quick, I guess. Um, he is listed, uh, SIS lists him actually as a guard. And interestingly enough, he is from Whitelaw, Wisconsin. So now that we've got our, our list of guys here, I want to kind of take a deeper look, kind of like what we did with our um, SIS leaderboard, just to see on a more advanced statistics level where some of these guys are at. Now, Matt Waletsko is not on here. Um, he apparently is not high enough on the list. He's on their um, big board, but he's not on any of these leaderboards. And again, Gadecki we'll look at, but we got to switch over to guard to see it. So we're going to start off with Kellen Deitch. Again, he is consensus tackle uh, 134 overall rank, Arizona State. He is a little bit up in age, which again, it's another issue, but it's not something we're necessarily dealing with. Plus, again, I'm on board with what people have said about the Packers don't draft guys that are a little bit older, assuming you're just talking about the early rounds, because I can easily point to some older players we've drafted in the middle to late rounds, which is where... Kellen would be drafted. But six foot seven, 303 pounds, ran a 4.8940. On the total points per play metric, he ranks fifth on this list, which is obviously quite high because he's not consensus fifth overall. So that's quite a high rank. On the blown block percentage, which is obviously the lesser the better, he ranks third. Zach Tom and Luke Tenuta are the only guys that are higher, meaning have less blown blocks 0.9%. And so Again, every single one of these things just answers a slightly different question. Not everything is better or worse, but the question is, if you think about it, and I, I think Billy Turner is a great example of this. A lot of people loved Billy Turner. A lot of people hated Billy Turner. And I think the issue with Billy Turner is on a play-to-play basis, he wasn't the worst in the world. But man, did that guy have some blown blocks. Oh my goodness. And so if you have a low blown block percentage, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a great player, but it absolutely means that you're, you're not making massive mistakes on a regular basis. You're generally fundamentally sound. You're in place. You're not completely whiffing. You might lose, but you're at least in place. Feet are where they need to be. Hands are where they need to be. You're in front of the guy. Um, penalties is an area where he's actually low on this list. Uh, he ranks 21st out of 24. Still a low number. Uh, the only guys that are serious issues, he has four. So it's like 0, 1, 2, 3, and 4 takes you from all the way to, to 22. Then you got Charles Cross with seven and Tyler Smith with 12. So Tyler Smith is a pretty big rising name. That is a massive red flag for him. The guy cannot stop holding 12. Everybody on this list has four or less except Charles Cross with seven <laughs> and then Tyler Smith, 12. Um, one of the other sort of red flags for Kellen Deitch is just 
flat out the amount of games he's played. If you look at career games started, the highest on this list has been Petrullo with 60. And granted, too many starts isn't necessarily great. You're talking wear and tear, but too little is also an issue. He ranks 23rd out of 24 with 17 total games started. Now, again, you could take that as a positive. He's young, or he's not young, but it's actually a really big issue. When you're almost, when you're 24 and a half years old, you've only played 17 games. That really sucks. I was going to say, you're young, there's room for growth, but by the time you grow, you're old. Um, pass blocking, again, we've already established based on our metrics that he's quite, quite good, but this is SIS's rankings. They do things slightly differently, different process. They have him ranked tied for sixth in terms of total points, uh, pass blocking. Uh, blown blocks, pass blocking, again, relatively low. He ranks eighth with 1.3. So it's a little higher than run blocking, but he still ranks high on the list, high in a good way. In terms of run blocking, he ranks even higher. He's tied for third with Charles Cross as a run blocker. Total points rating per run block, 93 out of 100. Um, he's behind Zach Tom and Nicolas Petit Frere. I cannot stand when people have French names, by the way because they sound so stupid to not say with an accent, but they sound even dumber to say with an accent. It's just brutal. And then it's hyphenated on top of it. Like, get out. It's Nick, dude. Nick Fire. <laughs> that's, that's it. Um, blown block percentage run blocking. Kellen Deitch is the fourth best, 0.5%. Again, doesn't necessarily mean he picked a guy up and threw him across the field, but he's just not messing up. Then you got some real fun um, stats here. One of them is called bounce percentage. And the question is, how many times... When they're supposed to be running behind you, do they end up bouncing because you suck so much? He's actually the fifth best. Only 17% of the time when the running back was assigned to run behind you, did they have to bail because you lost? Uh, Bernard Raymond and uh, Dare Rosenthal, Dare Rosenthal, whatever, are tied for number one with 13%. He's at 17 fifth. Tied with Akemakwanu, by the way. Uh, they've got yards before contact to their gap per attempt. Again, another really awesome and fun metric. How many yards can they run straight ahead before anybody touches them when they run behind you? 3.4 yards. Imagine that. You're blazing a trail for three and a half yards before anybody even gets to you. That's insane. Uh, Dare Rosenthal, Nick Fire, and Bernard Raymond are the only ones higher. And then finally, positive percentage when run behind, which is just how many times when they're running behind you is it a positive play? Second highest grade, 55%. 55% of the time, if you run behind this guy, it's a, it's a positive play. And again, that's going to depend based on down and distance and those kinds of things, what would be a positive play and what would be a negative play. Um, but the point is, they have that all figured out. 55% of the time, it is a good decision to run behind Kellen Deach. So again, good pass blocker, even better run blocker. Yes, there's issues with age. Yes, there's issues with the fact that it's ASU. But regardless, based on the tape, the guy's a monster. And we're talking about mid-round talent or, or mid-round prospect. Looking at Trevor Penning, six foot seven, three twenty-five, twenty-two point nine five years old. So he's pushing 23. There's still, um, he's on the not great end of the spectrum, but not necessarily too old to draft, I suppose. Uh, 4'8", 9'40", which is phenomenal. They also don't have him on their um, leaderboard, but I want to talk about him anyways because he's a major prospect. What they do have is they have their grades out of, presumably out of 10, I don't know. That nobody, I've never seen anybody get higher than an 8, and that's very rare. But they have grades out of 10 based on different factors, and so I want to kind of run through that real quick. Critical factors. So the things that they say are most important, how did he grade? Anchor and play strength, they gave him a 7, which again is about as high as you're going to find of any grade. It sounds not great, but it is very good. But then reactive athleticism, they gave him a five, and body control, they gave him a five. Some of the other factors, his highest grades, run blocking, they gave him a seven. Power, they gave him a seven. Finish, they gave him a seven. That's when you you know throw him on the ground and then do jumping jacks on his skull. Um, toughness, they gave him a seven. He got sixes on pass blocking, footwork, second level, range, sustain, flexibility, and then his only fives were awareness and hand use. So again, they don't have much info, but he's probably one of the guys we need the least amount of info because we've talked about penning pretty much at length, and I'm sure everybody else has as well. Um, looking at Bernard Raymond, he actually ranks quite low on total points rating per play. He's all the way down here at 19th overall. In fact, aside from these um, final metrics here is with, uh, you know, just being a dominant run blocker, he doesn't rank very high in any category. Blown block percentage, he's 13th with 1.4. Career game started, 28, which is 15th. And again, he's an older guy. Pass blocking grades per pass block. Uh, he has an 85 out of 100. He ranks 17th. 
Blown pass blocks, he ranks 13th, 1.8%. Run blocking, they actually have him 16th with a 76 overall grade. Um, blown block percentage, he ranks 9th with 1% of his run blocks being blown. But again, then you get into these cool kind of fun power metrics. Bounce percentage, number one, 13%. Yards before contact to their gap per attempt, he's tied for second with Nick Fire, 3.8 yards. But then again, positive percentage when run behind, 44%, he ranks 15th. So according to SIS, I mean, PFF really, really likes Bernard Raymond. They gave him some really good grades. If you look at the stats via SIS, they're not that impressive. And so, again, kind of to, to summarize the tackle group, I don't know too many guys that really check all the boxes, guys that are going to be available to us anyways. Every single person we pulled, first of all, is a small school guy. Half of these guys are, are getting up in age, 23, 24, 25. Again, North Dakota, Central Michigan, Northern Iowa, uh, Arizona State. So based on that, I'm looking at Kellen Deesh, especially as a mid-round prospect, saying that makes a lot of sense. Now, you've got to wonder about the school and the age, but finding somebody that checks every single box, athleticism, pass blocking, run blocking, scheme fit. I wish there were better options as far as age and school, but I don't see many, right? Evan Neal goes to Alabama, but he's long gone. Charles Cross goes to Mississippi State, but he's long gone. Akemaquanu, NC State, he's long gone. Um, Andrew Stuber plays for Michigan. Unfortunately, he's a bad run blocker. Uh, Nick Fire, Ohio State, is a big one, but this dude has a 4.3 pass blocking grade and a 6.26 RAS. So that's garbage. I mean, you can't have a bad pass blocker as a tackle. You know, I mean, just just down Oklahoma, Eric Swenson out of Oklahoma, um, 8.15, so a 69 pass blocking grade via PFF. And uh, we don't have his RAS, but again, that's not going to cut it. So who's who's the guy? Who's the guy that checks the, you know, pass blocking, run blocking, athleticism, also big school and young? They just don't, they don't exist outside of the top 10. I'm sorry. But that also is potentially a reason to consider a guy like Trevor Penning. If he does slip past 14, and obviously you could trade up into 14 to get him if you really want to, but if he slides beyond that, and we're talking about giving up that third or one of the fourths to move up and get him, I think I'm 100% okay with that. Because it is a need, and there just are not a lot of super great options. Again, I like these guys, but they're, they're so scary. Braxton Jones. Braxton Jones um, plays for Southern Utah. He's 23. So, again, you can find some guys that are really good run blockers. If you want to make that a priority, and I do, I want this offensive line to run block better. And, again, you've got Nick Fire, which is awesome. But he can't pass block, and we can't take him. You got Charles Cross, but he's gone. You got Kellen Deitch, but he's old. Zach Tom is real popular, but it depends who you ask. If you look at the... the um, depending on where you look, he's a, he could be a tackle, but he's also considered a center in some places. He's also playing for Wake Forest. He's also 23 years old. I do, by the way, have Zach Tom as my second highest graded player, which is phenomenal because... It's one of those things that when you do the board, you look at it and go, this is the kind of thing that's going to make your board look stupid. And then he starts blowing up and everyone's like, oh, by the way, this guy's really good. It's like, oh, yeah, I know. I knew that a long time ago. (laughs) I have Tyler Linderbaum and then Zach Tom, then Kenyon Green, then Zion Johnson. Now, if the guy can play tackle at six foot four, 304 pounds, I think you've got a real good option there. But I think ultimately when we talk about Zach Tom, we're talking about an interior offensive lineman, which again, I'm fine with, but that's just not what we're talking about at this particular point in time. So going back to finding a really good run-blocking offensive tackle, what do we got? We got Fayalele. Similar to Nick Fire, dude is not a good pass blocker. And he has a 2-3-9 RAS. The other thing to consider about this is everybody sees this. Everybody knows this. And there's a lot of teams that need tackle. A lot of teams that need tackle. We talk about a run on wide receiver, a run on this, a run on that. There may be a serious frenzy for offensive tackle. Unlike quarterback, because you could say the same thing about quarterback, right? There's not many of them, and it's a huge need and all this stuff, but they're not very good. When you talk about Evan Neal, when you talk about Trevor Penning, when you talk about these guys, I think they are very good. And I think if you don't get them in the top 15, you're just not really going to get a very good one. So a couple names to keep an eye on for the Packers. I do expect them to obviously get some kind of offensive line in the mid to late rounds. Um, Again, there are flags on all these guys, but they do make sense. Mid-round, fourth-round, fifth-round guys, zone blockers, good blockers, certainly not liabilities in the pass blocking. 
But obviously the reason they're mid-round picks instead of first-round picks is because they're small school, 24-year-old guys. So anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break? Remember to check out the GoFundMes. We've got one on pinned to the top of my Twitter. We have one pinned to the top of the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. If you wouldn't mind donating to that, that would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Remember to check out A Modern Frontier if you want to buy a big old box of meat that gets delivered straight to your door. The price includes the processing, the shipping, all that stuff. So head on over there, see what they've got available for you. Use promo code MEATPACKER, one word, all caps, and you will get $25 off your order. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hello, friends, and welcome back. While you guys took a couple-minute break, maybe, or a few-second break, depending on if there are any ads. I took a 24-hour break. I was, um, I just headed upstairs to take care of a couple things, and um, life kind of caught me, and I couldn't get away, and then got to be 1 o'clock-ish. It's like, I, I just, at that point, I'm hanging out with the dog, and it's like, do I want to crate the dog just to go do the podcast? And it's already kind of late, and it's Sunday. I'm just going to wait till tomorrow. So I did, and here we are. Um, let's keep looking at interior offensive line now with the uh, same criteria, I guess. So again, just kind of ripping through this, I'm looking for guys that have uh, at least a nine overall pass blocking, uh, nine overall run blocking, and then um, athleticism, and then we'll just kind of break it down from there and see which guys make the list when it's all said and done. So right off the bat, of all the guards that I have on my list here, or interior offensive linemen, I should say, 56 of them, um, I have 21 that have nine overall pass blocking grades. Of that list, we have um, 12 that also have nine overall or higher run blocking grades. Now, again, these are my grades based on what a good run blocking grade is for a guard. So for example, the lowest 9.056 overall grade has a 73.2 run blocking grade. So compare that to what a 9 overall pass blocking grade is, which is, you know, maybe a little bit higher. The point is, if you look at the broad spectrum of running backs, what is considered good? So a little bit of a different standard, but it is what it is. And then when we look at RAS, um, we whittle the field quite a bit here. Uh, Tyrese Robinson, 299, Kenyon Green, 592, Connor Olson, 6. Um, oh, actually, you know what? We're going to keep Connor Olson on this because 6 means I don't know. Plus, it looks like we're going to have a small list, so <laughs> we're going to keep him in there. Uh, Marquise Hayes, 635, Luke Fortner, 724, Cade Mays, 752. I think 8 and above we're going to hang on to. So, we have got ourselves uh, six guys left. Obviously, Tyler Linderbaum is on this category. I've told you um, he is my highest overall graded player in this class, 96.4 overall grade. Um, I just want to go through what he has so I can show you why he is what he is. Here's all the metrics I have. And granted, offensive line doesn't have quite as many metrics as some of the other positions because there's just not much to go off of for offensive line. Not as much as compared to every other position where I'm taking about a third of every stat that there is, and it's still a ton. But first of all, I take into account their overall rank, because I want to adjust so it's not super crazy based on, you know, a, a guy that's ranked 400th overall. If I have him third, that shouldn't happen. Something's obviously wrong. So I want some form of adjustment in there. He ranks high, so he has a 9.7 grade on his rank, 9.14 based on the school he goes to, because again, I want to adjust for the school you go to. Overall PFF offensive grade, he has a 9.99, not 
PFF, obviously, that's the grade I gave him. Pass blocking grade, a 9.67. Run blocking grade, 9.99. Pressure grade, which is how many pressures he gives up, 9.78. Sack grade is a 10 because he gave up zero. Pass blocking efficiency grade is a 9.85. And then his RAS is an 8.84. So, I mean, he's an extremely athletic guy, and his athleticism was like his lowest mark on this whole thing. So, again, there's, there's nothing about him that isn't nearly perfect. <laughs> Just isn't. But again, the question is, is the guy going to be available? The second highest, again, is a guy that um, I have extremely high on my board that is starting to fly up the rankings that is worth talking about is Zach Tom. I've got, I don't know, 10, 15 guys with 90 overall grades. He's one of them, 90.47 overall. And again, um, I have him interior offensive line because he's six foot four. Um, SIS has him as a tackle, but even as a tackle, he ranks extremely high. He has, he's tied for second in total uh, points rating overall. Um, number one in overall blown block percentage, meaning he just doesn't do that. He doesn't miss blocks 0.5% of the time. Uh, game started 37, so it's not the high. Again, you don't want it to be the highest or the lowest. He's seventh, 37 games. Um, pass blocking, total points per game, he's second. Pass blocking, blown blocks, number one, 0.7% of the time. Run blocking, points per game. He's second. Second highest. <laughs> He's, he ranks second in uh, pass blocking points per game and number one, excuse me, number two in points rating per run block. He's also number one in blown run blocks or whatever. 0.2% of the time, he, he messes, completely whiffs on a run block. Um, he doesn't really dominate these special categories here. Um, I mean, he's not bad. He's 11th in run behind percentage. How often does they run behind you? Um, positive percentage when run behind, 7%. So again, how often when I run behind you, is it a good play? 51% of the time he ranks 7th. So statistically, Zach Tom is dominant. I, I don't know what he's missing. He's missing something, obviously. But it's not anything that PFF or SIS can see necessarily based on their grades and their advanced metrics. Um, just looking at my sheet here, his rank is the only thing that's got him down a little bit. And I could probably adjust that because, again, he's been going up the boards. But um, strength of schedule, he actually is, in other words, helmet grading. He's actually number one of this group. 9-6 uh, offensive grade, 9-9 nine, nine pass blocking grade, which is higher than Tyler Linderbaum. It's the highest of anybody on this list. 9.5 run blocking grade, 9.03 pressure grade. Gives up a pressure on 2.8% of, uh, of his snaps. The only one lower is Tyler Linderbaum uh, at 1.1%, which is stupid. Um, his sack rate is a 5.13, which isn't the highest, but the sack rate, honestly, is it's kind of like either you're a 10 or you get docked. I don't want to not include it, but it's also kind of an iffy thing because it's that way. Again, it's that whole college degree thing where it's not impressive that you have one. It's just if you don't, you're not getting a job. Uh, pass blocking efficiency grade, 8.78. His uh, actual pass blocking efficiency is a 98.1. But then his RAS is a 9.72, so unbelievably athletic. If there is somewhat of an issue, though, with Zach Tom, it would be the zone versus gap thing. He does gap block more often than zone block. Although his grades are about even, 75.7 and 74.8. So it's not super ideal. But again, what really matters is the grades. What can you do? Right, for example, Tyler Lindebaum, the big knock on him is he's, he's purely a zone blocker. And that's true. The reason I say that, 8% of the time he's gap blocking, 75% of the time he's zone blocking. Beyond that, he has a 96.1 zone blocking grade and a 65.4 gap blocking grade. So that's the only thing we're watching for, really, when I'm, when I'm going through this. So far, we haven't found a single red flag. Tyler would be a red flag if we were a more gap blocking offense, and we are not. He absolutely would be perfect for his own blocking scheme because he is elite beyond elite at that. Um, next guy on the list would be Sean Ryan out of UCLA. And Sean might actually be the first kind of red flag in that category. He does find he's got a 76.7 overall grade. However, his overall run blocking grade, which is a big part of what makes him as good as he is, is 86.1. Uh, 
He has an 82 run blocking grade when he's gap blocking and a 76 zone blocking. On top of that, 62% of the time he's gap blocking, 32% of the time he's zone blocking. So it's not really his thing. He's better at gap blocking and he does it more often. That's sort of his thing. It's not to say he can't do it. I'm not saying the Packers took him off the board, but it it's kind of the first guy we've looked at that's really not the best scheme fit. Beyond that, though, um, 8.8 as far as his uh, grade being at UCLA, uh, 8.8 for his rank. Offensive grade is a 9.5. Pass blocking grade is a 9.3. Run blocking grade is a 9.8. But again, we would dock him because he's not as good in our scheme. Um, pressure grade, he got an 8. 4% of the time he gives up pressures. Um, he has a 6 overall sack grade, 0.5% of the time. And his pass blocking efficiency grade is an 8.1. He has an 8.16 RAS. So he's kind of lower end of the spectrum on all of these. But Sean Ryan is also, what, a third, maybe late second round pick, but also kind of like a third-ish round pick. He technically checks the boxes, but that is something to note about Sean Ryan is the scheme issue there. Uh, next up, Dylan Parham out of Memphis. Just for reference, um, I looked it up. Sean Ryan, 74th overall. So again, typically looking third round-ish. Dylan Parham, Parham, uh, 68th overall. So probably a second round pick for the Packers if they wanted to get him, which actually would be the same case for Sean Ryan, actually, assuming he doesn't fall. Um, Dylan, absolutely not an issue as far as scheme. In fact, he's more like Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, 56, 57% of the time, pretty heavy uh, in terms of zone, only 35% of the time gap blocking, and as a gap blocker, 62 overall grade compared to an 82 overall zone blocking grade. So he fits perfectly. Um, 8.9 rank, 7.3 strength of schedule. Uh, basically, Memphis, not the greatest school, but not terrible. Um, 9 overall grade uh, offense, 9.1 pass blocking, 9.5 run blocking. And again, that probably goes up as far as the scheme. Um, 7.6 pressure grade is kind of getting a little bit lower 4.6 percent of the time he's given up a pressure um, he does have a perfect 10 sack grade again kind of an iffy grade but it is what it is and the reason I, I the, there's so many zero sack grades is because I'm using um, true pass sets because it's a better metric but also there's a lot less of them so there's a lot more guys that have zero sacks given up while looking at true pass sets so it's one of those things I'm considering tweaking I'm just not sure the best way to go about that Maybe I'll just go back to the regular role, or maybe I'll just add them both in there so they're both, it kind of balances it out. I don't know. That's for 2023 to figure out. Um, pass blocking efficiency, 7, 9, let's call it an 8, I guess. That is the lowest grade of this group, but a 8, 7, 6 RAS. So again, I mean, nitpicking because we're talking about the top six, I guess, in terms of checking all the boxes but he is sort of on the lower end of pretty much all of the spectrums. Next up, we got Cole Strange. Um, Cole Strange is at a little bit of a smaller school, so he's really the, unlike Tackle, he's the only guy that kind of has a school red flag. He plays for Chattanooga. Otherwise, though, um, even his rank is not terrible. He's sitting at 91, so another guy that's kind of in that third-round range, potential second-round pick for the Packers just because, although... According to the consensus board, he should be available for us in the third if we want him. But uh, nine overall offensive grade, 9.1, uh, excuse me, nine, 9.7. I'm looking at the wrong guy. 9.7 offensive grade, 9.3 pass blocking grade, 9.8 run blocking grade. Um, he's the only one with a perfect 10 pressure grade and a perfect 10 sack grade. He didn't give up a single one. Again, true pass sets means it's a little bit smaller, but that's still impressive either way. He's the only guy with a 10 pressure grade, and it's not because of a lack of... of games or anything he played he did play the least of anybody but he played 11 compared to 12 13 and 14 and then a 9.3 efficiency grade he also has a 9.95 ras so he has the most athletic guy behind zach tom and then as far as scheme fit it is a beautiful scheme fit in fact he's very similar to tyler linderbaum 66 gap blocking but only 18 percent of the time he does that 80 almost 80 percent of the time he's zone blocking and he has an 86.6 overall grade so Cole Strange is actually somebody to keep an eye on. I know he plays for Chattanooga, so it's a smaller school. But um, if we're going to talk about Tyler Linderbaum light, it's an interesting option. 
By the way, he plays guard. I probably should have gone through and told you what all these guys have been doing because interior offensive line can mean a lot of things, including tackle for a few of these guys. But he is primarily a career left guard. He did play 160 snaps at left tackle, nine snaps at right tackle, but 1,044 at left guard. He's done that all four years at Chattanooga. And then the final guy on the list who might not, maybe isn't supposed to be on the list, I don't know, because he has a six RAS, which means I don't have his RAS, but Connor Olson out of Minnesota. Now, he ranks really, really low. He's the one guy that everybody's like, I don't know who this is. He's an idiot. In fact, I don't even see him on the uh, consensus big board anywhere, unless I'm spelling his name wrong. I am. There he is. Not much better. Ranks 538th. But um, even with his 2.2 rank score, obviously Minnesota is not a small school. Uh, His offensive grade is an 8.6. His pass blocking grade is a 9.6. Run blocking grade, 9.1. Pressure grade, 9.4. It's uh, 2% of the time he gives up a pressure. He has a 10 sack grade and a 9.95 efficiency grade. So unless the guy is like moving in mud, he technically checks all the boxes. So again, just a couple guys to uh, pay attention to. None of these numbers or metrics are necessarily set in stone. But again, if I'm looking at offensive linemen, we got to check a couple extra boxes if we're talking about the Green Bay Packers. Athleticism, zone fit, which again, most guys do. I think if you're a gap blocking team, you're really going to struggle. But zone, for the most part, you're good to go. Um, and then again, the, the need for run blocking, which seems self-evident, but I just don't think it is for most teams. I think if you're an elite pass blocker and a even marginally good run blocker, you're, you'll find a team that wants you. The other way around, probably not as much. That's why Nick Fire is going to struggle. Elite run blocker, struggles to pass block. I mean, come on. Unless teams look at him and are like, no, he's actually really good. It's just, uh, you know, a couple little tweaks we can coach up. That dude is not getting drafted in the second or third round, I can tell you that. Nobody in the world is going to draft a liability in the pass blocking game because he can push people around. I, I don't care if you're the Baltimore Ravens or whoever you are, that's not going to cut it. But anyways, again, sorry for the late episode, but um, we got a couple others to keep you company. We also didn't have our uh, Wisconsin Sports Heroic show yesterday because of a scheduling issue. However, we did get Packers Total Access, so make sure you check that out. If you haven't done that yet, we got um, some really, really good episodes coming out. I'm, I'm, I always feel like I'm not a history guy, but every time I listen to it, it gets me excited. There's so many cool things that are in there. It's one of the really interesting things. Every time you watch anything about history is, I remember watching a bunch of World War II documentaries and Every single thing is like, dude, if, if that one little thing changed, it changes everything. If this one little thing changed, if this, there are like 19 different times, if one little thing changes, we're all speaking German. You know, it's like, we got super lucky here and uh, we tricked them over here. I don't know how they fell for that. They're a bunch of idiots because that was a stupid plan, but somehow it worked. We lucked into this over here. And it's the same with the Packers. You listen to a bunch of these stories and it's like, man, if that guy hadn't done that, we might not have a team. And if this wouldn't happen, we wouldn't have a team. And if you know this guy I've never heard of, we wouldn't have a team. Or we wouldn't have had these players. Or we wouldn't have had this. Or you know, just major, major things. Um, there are certain TV shows that are like that. You, know, you ever see those TV shows where it's like, I'm not watching that. But if it's on, you get hooked. But even after you know that you love the show, you got that thing that's like, I don't want to watch that. It's just, I'm not in the mood. But if you start it, done, hooked, can't get away best thing in the world. That's, that's, that's me with history in general. So go check it out. Packers Total Access from last night. Today, the Wisconsin Sports Heroic show that was scheduled for yesterday will be out today. Um, we'll schedule that for this afternoon. So around noontime, we'll have that. And then the evening show will be our NFL draft show. They've got multiple episodes coming out this week, at least two. I've got two already um, ready to go out. I'm not sure how many more they're going to do. I'll try to hit them up and find out. But we've got at least two episodes this week for them, so that'll be exciting. But anyways, thanks for hanging out. Make sure you get fired up for the draft. And remember, we are going to be doing a live stream. I'm not sure about everybody else, but I will be here all three days, just like I do every year. Um, I'm going to be a little bit late to the most important day, but hopefully in plenty of time to see the Packers pick. Maybe even see everybody pick. We'll see how late they start. I don't know. Hopefully the Jaguars drag their feet. Usually that first pick kind of waits until the time runs out before the pick comes in. So we'll see, but um, definitely want to check that out. I know JJ is going to be there. Clayton is going to be there. And then we'll have some other people popping in from time to time. So it'll be fun. Anyways, you guys have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.